1: Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. Joining me is the great Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, what's going on?
2: Well, not much, you know, just kind of uh, chilling a little bit, kind of looking forward to the draft, obviously, uh, watching all these draft shows and, and reading the blogs and different things, in the paper, and, uh, you know, just pretty excited to uh, you know, pretty exciting time, you know, it's no question. King's uh, gotta get it right.
1: They gotta get it right. And see, we just won't let you like try to sail off into the quietness. You you've gotta keep coming on and giving us dropping knowledge on us. Um You uh you sat down for an interview with uh the Bees Joe Davidson, talking about the Purvis Ellison draft. Uh Jerry, you're a guy who's done everything in a in a franchise. You've done, you know, Clearly, you've coached, you've been a GM, you've been every single person almost for the Sacramento Kings. How difficult is the draft process to sit there and look at these kids? And and I guess how much has it changed from when you were doing this, you know, in 1985, 86, all the way to what you've seen in the last couple of years?
2: Well, it it really has changed dramatically because in the early days, I mean, as I mentioned to Joe, uh, you know uh, teams nobody much really scouted in Europe you know it was just basically american kids and you were drafting kids after 4 years in college and and not only that you had uh basically a portsmouth uh uh usually the chicago pre-draft camp and and either another whether it's in hawaii orlando or or phoenix all the same thing another camp to uh look at basically just about all the top prospects and usually all but two or three would be there and uh you know so you had such a much better situation early on of evaluating players uh now teams didn't have the scouting staffs that they have now you know most teams would probably have about a third of the people in the front office that they currently Currently have so it's just it was a total different world. And all that being said, you know whether it's today with a with ten or twelve people in the front office uh, counting scouts and all, or back in those days three or four. uh, You know some some teams uh, got it right, and some teams uh, missed badly.
1: You know uh, we we heard the story in that piece about Bill Russell. Uh, He had a thirty-minute conversation on the phone. With Purvis Ellison, never met him in person beforehand. Uh, is that normal, or is that was that just normal? For, oh, that was
2: abnormal, for... <laughs> even for that. Uh, I mean, really. Uh, I and I think I don't know. I I, I think Bill really had uh, had spent more time talking to Purvis than that, but or I I don't know totally. I, I don't. But I mean, we didn't bring him in, and uh, we didn't bring really anybody in to work out at that. That particular time, which was very abnormal. I think uh, the teams had, even then, were bringing guys in to not maybe work out as much as to meet and spend time with because there were so many different uh, combines and different things. So, uh, you know, Bill was a unique guy. I've always said I, I enjoyed working for him, but, you know, his idea was I, I know the right guy. I don't need to be, you know, uh, you know, nobody else in the league knew who we would take, you know, which, you know, when you're one, you can tell people. It's not even, nobody can do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, so that, that's one of the reasons I think with uh, Purvis, uh, when he was drafted, was so, looked so shocked. People thought that he was unhappy about Sacramento. I don't, that, my knowledge and talking to Purvis, that wasn't true at all. He just was as surprised as everybody else was.
1: Yeah, and that draft didn't end up being a great draft anyways. I mean, I think Stacy no, King uh, was right there, it, and a lot of Kings fans wanted him, um, but he never worked out either.
2: Yeah, Stacy King had been the guy that the fans had voted for, and he, he really didn't have probably as good a career as purpose, really. And uh, the best player in the draft was Tim Hardaway, who went 14. And uh, I always remember, I, I mean, a player that I liked in that draft just as a coach, you know, which I didn't have – was was uh, Sean Elliott. I liked him a lot, but but we had Ricky Berry at that time, and I felt Ricky was – so I didn't really push for him. And not that I, I could have swayed Bill's mind, but I didn't push for him because I thought Ricky was better, and I was pretty sure that he would have been. Uh, but we all know what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry, uh, as we build up to a draft, and just how stressful is it to be there and, and try to manage all of – I mean, this draft is is interesting because the Kings haven't been number two ever, uh, and you know who number one is, barring like a really really strange turn of events on draft night. But how is that build up? Where I mean, when you're this high in a draft, I mean, you were there for the Billy Owens pick when he's number three as well. You're you're sort of putting so much stock in one person and and also in one decision, uh, where you're not just choosing one player, but you're not choosing the other, whatever, 200 kids that are in the draft. Uh, how is that de- decision, and how difficult is it to live with it afterwards once you make it?
2: Well, you know, you're, it's very difficult if it's not the, the right guy or you get the right guy. And I mean, I always go back to, the, like I say, the Billy Owens thing Is is that we pretty much knew at that time that we were trading the pick with the rights to Billy Owens for Mitch Richmond. So I I felt pretty good about it because I I felt confident or, you know, very confident that we were getting a a real deal, a guy that could do it because we'd seen him do it. (laughs) Uh, Makes it a little easier. But, uh, you know, I think with with this pick, this year, you know, yeah, or, or any time you're p- picking number two, you've got a lot of different guys in your front office and people, they, and they have some different opinions. But, but the reality is there's only one decision maker. And and so, so Vladi has to sort through all the different information, uh, some of the different opinions, and, and really at the end of it, when the decision is made and it's up to everybody to come get on board and say this is our guy, you know, uh, when sometimes uh, it may not have been. But uh, I think it's it's a bit unique, this, of course, for Sacramento Kings fans because, you know, uh, they really do expect, uh, and I think it's a good draft, that uh, you don't have to get probably the very best player available to, but you can't uh, – you know, he better be close. <laughs> you know, he, he better be close, and and I think everybody can – we'd probably be okay with that as long as it's a player that really does, you know, is going to have a long career and a good career and, and be able to play right away and, and, uh, and be an all-star caliber type player. I, I, I mean, I, I think there'll always be people second guess. And, 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 almost always there's a, a surprise guy that goes later in the draft that may be as good as, or better than many of the top three or four. We, we saw that last year, of course. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But as long as your guy is is really good and can help you and be part of, you know, going forward and getting better and winning, uh, you know, then you've made a good pick.
1: You know, Jerry, you brought up uh, moving out of the pick. Uh, Again, the Mitch Richmond move was was incredible. I know that's one of your moves, one of your patent moves, Jerry Reynolds' move. Um, But uh, how difficult is that, Uh, especially in an era where, you know, contracts, uh, you can get a guy and you can't get a guarantee, or you might get a guarantee on how long he's going to be there. Um, But, you know, when you're drafting number two, and you chose in the top 10 plenty of times with the Kings, there's a certain amount of, I don't know if it's capital, it's political capital that you have with your fan base where you can sell them on, look, we have the number two pick this year. Uh, You know, it sells tickets, it it does. It builds excitement, um, but trading it, it that it adds an element that trading a pick you could miss out on the next great thing. How difficult is that decision of balancing doing a, a trade? I mean, of course, Mitch was a no-brainer, but there are other opportunities where you guys could have made a deal. I remember hearing the debtless shrimp possible trade that you could have pulled off and how that would change the franchise. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? How do you, how do you yep. manage those?
2: Well, it, it I mean, I, I think that is the key. You know, you know, it has to be a sure thing because as you said, and you're so right, uh, the pick itself means so much to the fans. So for you to trade the pick, it has to be for, I think a player that they know and, and want you know to mm-hmm. where it's really not not an issue. In other words, to trade you know say the rights to Billy Owens for uh, Hershey Hawkins or something who was a good player at that time, just for instance, which I always know he was uh, mentioned at that time. Uh, well, th- that wouldn't have been you know no fans wouldn't have bought that, and he's a good player, but uh, he you just couldn't have got by with trading the number three pick for for that value so mm-hmm. you know it's like with his second picture if if you could trade the second pick to boston for jason tatum uh i don't know why in the world any king's fan would be unhappy with that uh but i also don't think there's a chance in heck that uh, boston would do that either because they've got a 15 year starter and and a young star so that'd be crazy to do it so you know so so the, there are guys that the you know, I mean, if, if all of a sudden uh, Golden State wanted to, say, decide that, that they wanted to trade you Clay Thompson and he'd resign here or something like that, it'd be hard not to be pretty excited about that, wouldn't it?
1: No, of course, of course.
2: You know, the, the the sure things, and I guess that's where I'd look at it. I mean, yeah, if you're going to trade that pick, it does have tremendous capital, not just as a potential player, but with fans and, and drawing fans and the excitement uh for the team so so you have to do what you can to you know to bring in a a star or perceived star
1: Okay so you brought up Jason Tatum which to me is uh it's really the example in this draft that I would point to where most mock drafts most experts had him going sliding all the way down to 5 and potentially 6 Uh, And then not only did Danny Ainge turn the one into Jason Tatum, but he also added so much value as well, as far as draft picks in the swap. Uh, And while Markel Fultz, I think the the end uh, sort of, you know, how we rate him and how we judge him is still years from now, most likely. Uh, Jason Tatum looks like stardom. You know, we're seeing something that's special. Uh, We're also seeing something with Donovan Mitchell that was special. Um, you know, so the draft is a crapshoot, right? How do you, how do you look at it and how much can you gamble at number two versus number four and, uh, you know, or, or even number seven, it seems like number seven is a pick where you can kind of take whoever you want and people aren't going to chastise you. But if, if you don't take who people perceive as the right guy at number two, uh, you got to be pretty confident in it, right?
2: Oh, you do. You absolutely do. And I mean, you know, it's like the year that... Uh, uh, Memphis took Hashim to beat two. Oh God! You know, and there's James Harden, Tyreek Evans, Steph Curry, all those guys behind. You know, a total non-player. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of twos that weren't real good, but they, but there was one that didn't play a lick. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that's uh, that's just awful. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I mean, I, I think the thing that that struck me with with. Danny Ainge, and, and I certainly think, honestly, he is the very best general manager in the league. And and what well, you know, what he has shown is like the draft of Jalen Brown the year before three, which everybody said was way too high. Well, it wasn't, and as it's turned out, <laughs> and Tatum. Uh, so as to, you know, in my opinion, Danny knows what he sees, and uh, and and I think there's a lot of guys that really don't, quite honestly. Uh, you know, you can get all caught up in numbers and, and, and whatevers, but, uh, you know, I mean, to me, Danny's a guy who probably saw Jason say, and I, I don't know if he knew he'd be as good as he was, but he knew that in his mind that he was better than Markel Fultz. That's what he knew. Yeah. And so far that would appear to be right on, and so he was, by knowing that and having that knowledge at least uh, he was confident of uh he could make a heck of a deal to go with it and that so that's that's really uh t- to make trades in the draft you you better know what you know
1: all right you are listening to the king's insider podcast on NBC sports california brought to you by Wendy's get a taste of the southwest with Wendy's new southwest avocado chicken sandwich and southwest avocado chicken salad bold southwest flavors topped with cool creamy avocado but they're only available for limited time at participating wendy's also uh we're going to get to our boating and waterway sponsorship because uh we love boat safety want you to get out there and be safe
0: I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose baits, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: You got to know what you know, which is a great line because it brings us to this year's draft. Uh, And I, I think knowing what you know might be the most difficult thing to look at during this year's draft because... I think we can all look at Marvin Bagley and say, okay, I think I know what I know with Marvin Bagley as far as what he's going to do on the offensive end. He's probably for his career going to be a double double guy. He's a guy who who has incredible rebounding skills. He finishes strong in the paint. Uh, He can do a lot of things. I think you look at uh, Luka Doncic, I think you know what you know. I think you know that uh, he can be a really good NBA player. You're not sure that he can be great, but. He's going to be a guy who's a 10, 15-year starter for your team and probably an all-star or slightly below all-star level player for that entire time. Uh, And then you've got Michael Porter Jr., which the Kings are looking at as well, and you don't know anything. You know that he was a great scorer in high school. He is a a great rebounder in high school, uh, active. He's got incredible size. But you don't know what you know because of the back. And so how do you... How do you weigh those things when you're getting this close to a draft?
2: Well, that, that's a great question, and that is a, a several-million-dollar question because, you know, if if you think a Michael Porter Jr. is the most gifted guy and the best chance for stardom, and you're sure, you know, as sure as you can be with whatever doctor support you get, several doctor support uh, you can get, uh, I think he, he becomes a, a, a guy you could take because he – If that, but (laughs) there is that, but you can't uh, with the second pick, I don't know that you can risk that uh, without any, without a lot of doctors being willing to go on the line and say, look, this, this is a, it's a safe pick. I mean, guys can get hurt in a car wreck, you know, would have nothing to do with basketball or a different kind of injury, but his back is not going to be a problem. Uh, but, so you would need that, and you know with donich or or Bagley i mean yeah there's there's uh things that you may or may not like uh i mean i I feel like with, with probably with Vladi and Peja, you've probably got the two best guys in the world to evaluate European talent because mm-hmm. not just their own background but the people they know and people that trust them over there and and their experiences so for them to take him, it would make me feel very comfortable. Uh, to, for them to pass him, I would have to almost be say the same thing. You know, I I like what I see in the kid myself, what little I've seen, but uh, I I think uh, so. There's that now. You know, with Bagley, a different set of circumstances. You know, you you he played in a terrific league, maybe the best college league, high school major star, uh, got size, length, athleticism, put up numbers at Duke. You know, and. Guys that do that usually do pretty well, uh, but uh, but is he going to continue to get better? Is he going to learn have the motor to play the defensive end better than he currently does? Those those kind of things are questions that haven't been answered yet. So uh, and you know, there's bottom line is there's the, there's no uh, no sure ways to go for sure. I mean, I I'm probably like most the fans, I've got a player i kind of kind of like better than most just what little i know i i, I like i like Donich. I, I think i don't know that he can be a superstar but i like guys that are really skilled and mm-hmm. uh and he is really skilled and seems competitive and got nice size he's not uh, going to shrink uh he's young he should get better if he works hard and his shooting is not good enough right now but it's he's not a Look, looks like a decent stroke, but just time and effort and work uh, should should, uh, should improve his shooting. And as shooting gets better. We've talked about. I mean, it makes you quicker. Uh, I've always said, you know, go back to the old Larry Bird statement of years ago. <laughs> I had to ask, you know, talking about quickness, and he said, well, people talk about my quickness, but I'm plenty quick because I'm the best shooter in the world. They got to really get up on me. And, uh, and 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 it's a great point. <laughs> you know, it, it's like bogey, as good as he shoots the ball, I mean, uh, he's able to get places on the floor because people really have to get get up into him because of his shooting ability and is able to, to move the ball much easier. So, so some, some things don't worry me as much as, as others, uh, but, but there are the butts and uh, gosh, I, I just, I'm just praying for the guys to, to make
1: the right pick that's right now you bring up Larry Bird you're a Larry Bird aficionado you know Larry from childhood um you know you guys are both from the same city uh Luka Doncic has drawn a few comparisons do you do you think that's that's fair and what little you've seen of Doncic uh like in film or you know watching a game here or there have you seen enough to say okay I can get a little bit it's it's got to be like the basketball IQ is on such a different level than most players, which I think is something that was probably Larry's number one asset outside of his ability to shoot the ball.
2: Yeah, he, you know, one thing, yeah, Luca has has some of Larry's really passing instincts. And, uh, you know, I think that some what has been forgotten in Larry's career. You know, he was just at 6'9 and a half, you know, passing skills of, of – uh, uh, magic really uh the greatest small forward passer probably to date still but uh he you know but luca has a has those instincts for passing uh really and you can't teach that those are just like say basketball iq i you know it, you can teach people to shoot you can help improve their dribbling things like that but those instincts are, are special and he, he has a lot of that and uh i think it's what, and I haven't seen him near as much as a lot of people, but, but he makes some plays that you think, oh, okay. You know, any leg speed is good, not great, but he runs the floor. And I think more importantly, the the part that sometimes people forget about athleticism, you know, hand-eye coordination and stamina, those are all part of athleticism. You know, people want to think about just pure speed and jumping ability. Well, uh, very a lot of times that doesn't come into play, and you know, it's again goes back to to a, I thought an interesting Bird statement of years ago where he said, you know, a lot of guys can outrun me in the first quarter, but very few do in the fourth, and uh, and I think that's very important. You know, a guy that what speed he has he can use for four quarters. You know, the guy that can that can uh, you know be a blaster for. 15 minutes, uh, who cares? Yeah. So that, 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 that's not going to work, you know? And so, so stamina is a big part of it, And that's, that's what, you know, you see a little bit in this kid because he's had to play as a professional against in the best league, you know, certainly better league than the colleges leagues, uh, for several years. And, and has, and they, they are, they practice a lot and they are prepared and, and, uh, yeah, he runs the floor very well.
1: You know, Jerry, you, you bring up sort of the translation from the European game. Uh you're you were with the Sacramento Kings when Peja Stoyakovich came over. Uh you're with them when Hido Turkoloo joined the team. Uh, what is it that you see? Uh first of all, I mean for me, when I see Luca, uh he he still has a little body uh baby fat on him. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the NBA training and dietary uh, people will get a hold of him and maybe even change some of those athleticism uh, questions that he has uh, where they might be able to increase a lot of uh, sort of the numbers, the raw numbers that you put up uh, in measurements and, and speed and quickness. Um, but what is that translation? And uh, like you said, he's played overseas as a professional for a long time and you see that day one, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, he's uh I always go back, you know, and you brought up Pager. You know, Pager was a real star in Europe and, and obviously stayed over after the draft and all that. But, I mean, he was a major star. And, and uh, you know, his adjustment to the NBA was very slight. You know, I mean, didn't start right away because he had an awfully good player named Cortez Williamson at the position. Mm-hmm. But it was clear about mid-year that Pager was, quite honestly, was going to be better, and that's why Jeff... Petrie knew that he could use Corliss, it, you know, uh, probably to make a move to, to shore up another spot, which, of course, turned out to be Doug Christie, uh, which, uh, and then so Pager would have the spot. So obviously improved the team two ways, but, and, and certainly we all know Corliss was terrific. It wasn't anything bad about him. It's just a case that, you know, Page was ready to play on a winner uh, as a starter very, very quickly and, and could have right away. You know, and could have right away, but you you know, you just—it was a case where you had to wait a little bit. Well, I—I I mean, I think as as much of a star in, in Europe as Pager was, and certainly Pager was a great shooter even then, uh, but he wasn't the complete player that uh, that Donich is.
1: Okay, so look, we're we're coming up on time here, and I, you're a busy man in your retirement. You're semi-retirement. I don't want to keep you all night, um, but I do want to ask it if you were if you were sitting in Vlade's chair number 1 would you want to be which
2: i think no i wouldn't want to be <laughs>
1: but uh how big of a of a risk would you want to take because again i think if i go back to jeff petrie and the way that he drafted he always looked for players that could do it all that could run that could jump that could pass that could score that could shoot uh, really, you know, complete package type players, especially high basketball IQ players. Um, is there one of these guys uh, that you just you think that man I I just wouldn't pass up on him, and I would have to take him a number two.
2: Well, I, I do think. I mean, I I would tend toward being, and the circumstances maybe change a little, but I I I think I would tend to to be on the conservative side and and try to just take the the least risk. Because of you know, I think where the franchise is, and and they've got some really good young pieces, and and just got to keep adding. And uh, that's that. I would probably lead toward uh, Luca because I, I just don't think he can he will miss being a really good player, uh, and has a chance to be an all-star level player. Now, uh, do, do I think there's a, do I think that he's for sure the best talent available? No, I don't because if Porter we're totally healthy, I think he probably has a little more upside. I I and I think then you have the unique guys that's that hard to hard to to decide in today's game like a Bamba, You just don't know how that how that'll play out with his athleticism and length as a rim protector and 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 all in in this perimeter game. So but uh yeah, I just uh it'd be tough to gamble too much, I think, for me.
1: Uh, I'm with you. It's an interesting dilemma that the Sacramento Kings are in. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much for joining me, uh, stealing some time from you during your summer summer months. I uh, can't wait to work with you in the uh, on the telecast next season uh, in a slightly different role. But uh, thanks for jumping on with me.
2: Well, it's always a, always a fun to do, James. I'm looking forward to it too. And uh, you know, we're all pulling for the same thing, and uh, you know, really, really is important. Time for the franchise, and we just gotta gotta wish the best for L- for Vladi and 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 his front office because uh, this is this no question this can uh, speed up the process if it goes the way we hope it does.
1: All right, the incomparable Jerry Reynolds, thanks so much, Jerry. All right, you've been listening to the Kings Insider podcast brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week with Doug Christie and another great guest. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.